0: Welcome to the Fearlessly Authentic Podcast, episodes aimed at presenting truth in a fearlessly authentic way. By now you know that I'm Jerry, and we are still in the middle of a study in the life of Joseph from the Old Testament. And today we're looking at part two of a message called Abandoned. In the last message, we looked at Joseph while he was in the dungeon, and today we're going to finish up that message. So let's get right into it. We're going to back up a little bit and catch this very important part about Joseph in the dungeon of Potiphar. Genesis chapter 40, I want to talk to you about this subject, abandon. When a dungeon experience comes, the quickest and easiest response is to feel like we've been forgotten by God. It's the quickest response to feel like we've been forgotten by God. But first and foremost in Joseph's life was his vital and consistent relationship with his Lord. And because of that, God used him in strategic and significant ways. Why? Because he looked at his dungeon experience through the lens of God's will. Which takes us to chapter 40. We see second thing, Joseph's duty. It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king, of the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. Now, you know, the butler was sort of like the cupbearer. He was the one who made sure that everything that came to the Pharaoh's lips was going to be just right and it wouldn't be poison. There were a lot of people wanting to kill Pharaoh. And so he was a trusted man. The baker was also trusted in the fact that he made his food. He made all his food. And so something happened. We're never told what. But something happened where Pharaoh got mad at these two trusted people. These were trusted people. He sent them off to prison. Verse 3, he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. Who's the captain of the guard? Potiphar. Now, if you knew that this slave tried to have an affair with your wife, would you give him a trusted position in the prison that you're in charge of? Probably not. But he comes, to Joseph, and he says, here, here's the chief butler and the chief baker. Here you go. I want you to be in charge of them. Isn't it remarkable how often God brings alongside us people who are going through, have gone through similar experiences? Maybe these guys were unjustly charged. Maybe they were justly charged. We don't know. But they were brought there alongside Joseph. Verse five, and they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of the dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them and behold, they were sad. Verse six tells us a lot about Joseph, doesn't it? No tale of woe from Joseph. No like, oh, let me tell you my troubles. Oh, whoa. It's not Joseph. If anyone, I mean, if you think about it, if anyone had a tale of woe to tell, it's Joseph, right? I've been wronged a few times. And where I am now, I don't deserve to be. I am innocent. Everybody in jail is innocent. But Joseph really was. Joseph really was. But he took time to notice that there was something wrong. And he said, why are you guys sad? He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of the house saying, wherefore, look you so sadly today. They said to him, we have dreamed a dream. And there is no interpreter of it. They're with the interpreter. They didn't know that Joseph could interpret dreams, did they? They didn't come in there, and they weren't saying, hey, this is Joseph, the dream interpreter. In fact, up to this point, the only dreams he's kind of interpreted was the ones that he had. He says, and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told the dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Joseph said to him, hey, here's the interpretation of it. God gave it to him like that, which tells you that Joseph had to be right with God in prison in order to receive this from God, because God doesn't work in any other aspect in your life when you're not right with him, except you need to get right with me. So he says, hey, I know here's the interpretation. Here it is. The three branches are three days, yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee into thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into thy hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. So he said, here's the dream. Now, when when you're restored and you're in Pharaoh's place, say a little word on my behalf. Now, you can imagine that Joseph's kind of thinking, I think maybe God's working here. He had a dream. God gave me the dream. He's going to have the hand of Pharaoh. I think maybe this is the way that I'm going to get out of prison. You can see he's getting his hopes up. And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said unto Joseph, I also was in in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head, and in the uh, uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee, and shall hang thee on a tree, and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. Well, that's not a happy camper. But I think it's so important to notice his response, Joseph's response. Because Joseph decided that in his duty, in a place where he didn't want to be, where he felt that he was in a dungeon experience, he chose to see it through the lens of God's will, and he chose to have, remember we talked about the attitude, a positive attitude about his situation. I don't know why I'm here, and I don't feel I should be here, and I feel like I've been unjustly placed here, but God, if you can use me here, I'm going to allow you to use me. That's what I mean by a positive attitude. I don't mean like, oh, Pollyanna, everything's just great. It's raining on Oh, thank God, you know, it's, it's the floods in Louisiana. Well, we do need water. you know. I mean, that's, that's not the Pollyanna positive. I'm talking about just seeing it from God's will and allowing yourself to be used. But... Having a positive attitude does not mean living unrealistically where you tell everyone nice, upbeat things all the time, whether they're true or not. He gave them, he gave the interpreters. in three days, you're going to be restored. In three days, you'll be dead. You can imagine Joseph kind of confused. Well, that was kind of a weird dream. God, you give me that. Tell him one guy he's going to live, one guy he's going to die. But God, maybe you're going to use this man There's two dreams. came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants, And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Now, can you imagine Joseph sitting in prison? Things get around in prison pretty quickly. They come to get the butler and the baker on the very day that he interpreted. God, you're working. He restores them to their position. The butler is giving grape juice to the Pharaoh. The baker was hanged. God, this is, your dreams are coming true. Your interpretation is coming true. And there was that last thing I said. Remember me there. This is the thing. I am going to, I'm about to be delivered from this dungeon experience. God, I know you're going to do it. You can see him getting his hopes up, like we do sometimes. In our, when we're, even in our dungeon experience, when we're dutifully trying to do things, we tend to try and say, well, this must mean this, and this must mean this is going to end, and I'm looking toward the end, and we're not asking God when it's going to end. We just, we're trying to create the end. But notice, Thirdly, his disillusion. Verse 23, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. And look at verse 1 of chapter 41. And it came to pass in the end of two full years. When the men were released, according to the interpreter of the dream, Joseph was probably thinking his time in the dungeon was numbered. Though he had done no wrong, and though he had told the truth, and though he had specifically requested to be remembered, only silence prevailed. We get into our dungeon experience, we feel abandoned, we feel forsaken, we feel left out, victim. We try and see it through the lens of God's will, and we try and participate as well as we can positively. And things start to, we start to kind of see some things fall together, and we put this hope in that this is going to end soon, this is going to end soon, and then two years go by. And we can't help but feel disillusioned, can we not? We can't help but feel disillusioned at that point. Forgotten. Two years two long monotonous miserable years he was forgotten and though he might we might complain and think god has forgotten us joseph continued to wait trust to hope and to lean on god even in that disillusionment of nothing happened and the next day nothing happened and the next day nothing happened he didn't just go back into his prison cell and mope joseph's like i'm going to continue to learn i'm going to continue to trust I'm going to continue to lean on him each day. I'm not looking to get the strength for tomorrow. I just need the strength for today. I need the strength from the time I wake up to the time I pillow my head, and then I'll pray for strength more tomorrow. But two years, he was in that situation. Joseph's mistreatment, disappointment, and abandonment resonates with all of us. Unfair treatment, mistreatment comes in many forms. But I think that when we want to bring Joseph's story into our life, I think that we could kind of very quickly put this into four little categories of how we feel this particular mystery, how we feel like we've been the victim, how we feel. And I think that we see this in our life. We're not in a dungeon in, in, in Egypt and, and we're not in prison for, having, trying to, for for being honest and not having an affair with a, the, our, our master's wife and, and we weren't forgotten by the, ba- the butler. Uh, but we have our own little dungeons. We have our own little place. And, and, and I think that this, this abandonment, this feeling of mistreatment, this feeling of disappointment, it, it fits into one of four categories. And number one, it fits into the unfair treatment from family. Joseph had some pretty unfair treatment in his family. I mean, dysfunction is the the word for his family. They played religious people all around, but down deep they were just rotten from the core. They wanted to kill their brother, and instead of killing him, they sold him for a profit and just lied to their father. You can imagine, you saw, you saw as we looked at the early part of Joseph that it wasn't just a one-time thing, that it was after the dream. It was because the father showed him favoritism, because he gave him the cool-looking coat, because all this kind of stuff. They just hated him the more and hated him the more and hated him the more. And what we feel sometimes is the unfair treatment that we get from our family. Children can mistreat parents just as readily as parents can mistreat children. An abusive treatment within the family takes many forms and leaves many scars. And the dungeon that you are feeling maybe this morning is not the dungeon in Egypt, but it's the dungeon where you feel you've been done wrong by my family. And it's left some pretty deep scars in your life. Maybe it's for what your parents did or what your brothers and sisters did. Or maybe it's what your kids have done to you. You just feel the scars. And you're wondering, where's God in all of this? And you're not looking at it through the lens of God's will and trying to be a place where God can use you through this. You just want the questions answered. You want your ways. You want the unfair treatment to stop We have to be reminded. Your ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And when I don't understand, I have to trust. And that's one of the hardest things to do. For some of you, it's not the unfair treatment of family. For some of you, it's unexpected restriction of circumstances. This happens when you're suddenly confined, either emotionally or physically. You either can't can't get beyond your own emotions or... Or your physical circumstances. You've got you've got a paralyzation, you've got a debilitating disease, you've got emotional scars that you just you just don't feel you can get past. And every time it comes around, you just, just just break down and it just just drives you nuts. And you feel restricted by these circumstances. And that's your dungeon. That's where you feel abandoned. That's where you feel mistreated or disappointed. Your emotions have just wrapped you up. And your choice of your attitude is not to God help me see it through the lens But your choice is like I need to get even and it just wraps you up And you start to destroy yourself from the inside out And you start to destroy those closest around you The scar from abusive past Can result in long dungeon-like years of pain As the person struggles to recover But these unexpected restrictions Keep you from soaring Keep you from enjoying life Sometimes it's the unfair treatment from families Other times it's the unexpected restriction of circumstances Other times it's untrue accusations You don't have to live long on this earth before someone says something false about you. The tragedy is that those false words are heard by people who don't know any better, and they believe them. They ruin your reputation. Untrue statements become impossible to correct. Untrue statements become impossible to correct as it would be to catch the feathers out of a ripped pillow in the wind. And we feel bound by that, those untrue accusations. And well, this church person said this about me, or this pastor said this, or this church as a whole says this about us, and we just can't get past it, and we just, we just crumble in it every time, and oh, I don't know if I can get past it. You can get past it, but we feel confined. Maybe it's the, from the family, the unre- un- unexpected restriction of circumstances, the untrue accusations, or the unfair abandonment. In some ways, I think this is the most painful of it all. It just hurts. More often than not, we hear stories of a young couple who get married and the, the wife stays home and manages all the home and takes care of the kids while the husband does college and, and residency and does all the things and gets, gets all the awards and all the attention and all the things. And then, you know, 10, 15 years into the marriage, all of a sudden he wants to trade her in for a new model and he trades her in and leaves her abandoned. And that seems to like be almost the pain that hurts the most. Where's God? Or maybe you loan someone some money in order to help them out and you're doing it with good intentions and they promise and promise and promise, but they never make an attempt to return anything to you. Or like I said earlier, you build a business for someone and you sacrifice and you, and you just put your, your blood, sweat, and tears into that business and then when it becomes successful, they drop you, they release you, move on. Some of you here have been misjudged and abandoned by friends. Some have had this done in church because someone made a false statement made against you which they believed. These are the kind of things, these are the dungeons that we as people living in 2016 are facing. We're not facing an Egyptian dungeon. Most of us haven't tried to stand strong against our boss's wife who's trying to have an affair with us and said no, and we're put in a prison because of it. But we sure got some unfair treatment from families, do we not? We sure have some unexpected restriction of circumstances where we feel confined, don't we? We sometimes have these untrue accusations going on, don't we? And sometimes there's this unfair abandonment. Isn't that how we feel at times? And I want to tell you something, and I think this is, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this. But we have to understand that it's in this kind of pain that God gives his best messages. It's in the pain of the unfair treatment. It's in the pain of the abandonment that God gives his best messages. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And in that book, he said this quote. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience but he shouts in our pains. And so in the the dungeon of whatever dungeon you may be in this morning, you have two choices. You can become disillusioned and embittered, or you can use the difficulty that you're facing as a platform for putting your hope and trust in the living God. Those are the only two choices. Disillusionment and bitterness, or putting your hope and trust in the living God. Now, let me tell you about the first choice. Disillusionment is a dangerous and slippery slope disillusionment causes us to be disillusioned about our fellow man, the people around us, which then leads to being a cynic, to being, being cynical. Before long, we don't trust anyone, not even God. We've been burned, taken advantage of. We've been mistreated. And that's where we end up. I don't trust anyone. I don't trust God. I've been burned. I've been mistreated. I've been, I've been taken advantage of. I'm cynical. I don't trust anyone. That's where disillusion leads to. And it happens fast. It's a slippery slope. You're in your dungeon. You may not be there because of anything you've done, but you're in the dungeon. And I've got to tell you this. There is someone there with you And it's God. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, is what Scripture says. In the heat of our emotions, we must rely upon the truth of biblical principle. Otherwise, you will drive yourself nuts trying to reconcile the two. The cause of disillusionment, by the way, is putting your trust in people. Putting your complete hope and trust in people. But the cure, the cure of disillusionment, is putting our complete hope and trust in the Lord. That's the cure. We have to listen to God's truth. He has hundreds of different messages to give us for hundreds of different dungeon experiences. He knows just the right message to give you at just the right time. And all it takes to receive it is a sensitive, obedient, and trusting heart, not one that's preoccupied with revenge, bitterness, or hostility. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Lord God, help me now, right at this moment. Deliver me from my own prison. Help me to see beyond the darkness. Help me. To see your hand as I'm being crushed remold me help me to see you in my abandonment help me to see you in my rejection help me to see my dungeon experience through the lens of your will in Jesus name I pray Amen. We, who are in dungeon experiences and feel abandoned like Joseph, have to respond like Joseph if we want to get through it. We have to learn to turn our trial into trust and look to God tenderly and use the affliction, the dungeon, and the abandonment for His purpose. I don't know what you're facing, I don't know what your dungeon is, but I know that if you would look through it through the lens of God's will, that he can take that pain and he can bring some cure to it. When you're not seeking for revenge and you're not seeking for uh, justification and you're not seeking for the the answers of, I want to know right now why, you're free to feel the healing power of his word and then you're free to be used of him in the midst of your dungeon. He may never deliver you out of the dungeon, but he can use you in the dungeon. The question that you have to ask yourself, am I willing to sacrifice my ways for his ways and my thoughts for his thoughts? And when I suffer for the things I've done well, and I do it patiently, I'll receive... God's pleasure I'll receive his reward I'll receive his help it doesn't mean your situation goes away it doesn't mean the dungeon gets easy, any easier or any less hot but it does mean that I can choose a different attitude not one that constrains me like a python but one that frees me to be used of him in the midst of my abandonment and that's what Joseph did for two long, long years, he waited for God to send someone to say, Pharaoh's calling, and that's what happened. In two long years, Pharaoh called. Eventually, he was promoted to vice president, if you will. He didn't know that for those two years he was sitting in prison. He didn't know that that would be the the end result. He just patiently, each day, said, Lord, use me today in my dungeon. Lord, use me today in my dungeon. Lord, use me today in my dungeon. How do we square it away with the truth that God is good? God is always good. God is good all the time. And all the time... God is good. Father, help us as we consider this message. Let your word sink into people and and let your word wash over us in our dungeon's experiences. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Dungeon experience is one of the hardest things that you'll ever face as a believer, but it is a choice of the will that will make the difference between whether you get out of the dungeon or whether you remain in the dungeon. Thanks for listening today to part two of Abandoned. Check back soon for another podcast. Better yet, subscribe to this podcast and never miss an episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard today, share a link to our podcast on your social media. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you next time here on Fearlessly Authentic.